Chapter twenty seven of A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly by J. B. Polly. Chapter twenty seven Adventures en route to Texas. Fannin House, Houston, Texas, March twenty third, eighteen sixty five. Dear Dick, condemned by high water to a three days delay at this dead old town, and too near home folks that are, and home folks soon to be, to write to them, I have decided to inflict upon you the letter I promised. While I hope it will entertain you, I am not writing as much for that purpose as to rid myself of the ennui of which bill calhoun is so fond of complaining when his spirit is too dull to afford a witticism i have it bad hence resort to my pen for relief that much of a camp habit still clinging to me i never knew how much i loved you boys of the company regiment and brigade until i had told you all good-bye and remembered that to some of you it was a last good-bye just to stay with you and share your hardships and risks and hear you jest and laugh in the midst of all the dangers and trials of soldiering under lee i would cheerfully have destroyed my retirement papers but for the conviction that a cripple would be a burden to you as it is i am here in texas on my way to home and happiness feeding high dressed as comfortably if not as stylishly as these trans mississippi fellows sleeping on mattresses under rainproof roofs and free to go wherever high water and mud will permit me while you fellows are yet in virginia and though ragged hatless shoeless starving and freezing day and night and sleeping in huts and dugouts are still undauntedly and resolutely facing a well-fed well-equipped federal army outnumbering you three to one if it is patriotism that holds the yankees in the field how much more noble self-sacrificing and enduring must be the conviction which keeps the confederates there i stopped at charlotte as i promised alec wilson i would and miss annie his sweet little cousin cried over my crippled and emaciated condition as though i had been her brother when the time came to take the train again she walked to the depot with me and when i had told her good-bye and was on the car had a darky who unknown to me had followed us pass up to me a basket containing a ham a turkey a bottle of scuppernong wine and as much bread as could be crammed in it i had wanted to kiss her before that but dared not but when the basket was handed me i got right off the train and not only dared but succeeded taking her completely unawares she blushed charmingly but to show she was not offended said you might have done that before you got on the train but 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 you didn't seem to care to to show you how much mistaken you are said i hobbling toward her i'll take another no sir said she retreating the picture you carry proves you have a sweetheart and as i have one too i can't afford to risk the jealousy of both it'll be double poaching you know at branchville it was reported that a part of sherman's army had torn up the track ahead of us 
and no train would be run to augusta so hugh davis and a virginian on his way to marry a georgia girl tempted no doubt by the basket of grub miss annie gave me went back with me to orangeburg there a couple of good samaritans in the guise of old maids hunted up a darky who for a large consideration agreed to haul me and the plunder of the party as far as we could go in three days as it would have been barbarous to make the old darky haul me any farther hugh and the virginian impressed a horse for me and on him i rode five miles to the railroad where we found a hand-car in good running order confiscating it we ran it down the road about six miles then hugh and the virginian gave out fortunately a carriage driven by a darky came along in the nick of time and we impressed it and were carried to its owner's home thence next morning we were sent into aiken where we learned that communication between it and branchville had not been interrupted and that had we remained but an hour longer at branchville we might be now half-way to the mississippi coming within five miles of the wide swath of destruction marking the passage of sherman and his army of marauding patriots i had to take a stage and as the inside of the vehicle was jammed and crammed with women and babies climbed up to a seat by the driver all night long and for thirty-odd miles we travelled through a once thickly settled and prosperous country without seeing a house standing and without getting out of sight of the charred and often still burning timbers of comfortable homes from which the inmates women and children and an occasional old man only had been driven in many instances in their night clothes and refused permission to take even bedding for their sick ones could general lee have foreseen such inhumanity i doubt if he would have made us behave so well in pennsylvania thank god though we confederates have never warred on women and children and never will at montgomery i had to wait two days for a boat to carry me down the river to selma and there i had a startling adventure the night before i left the clerk at my hotel told me that an old gentleman at another hotel would be glad to have me call on him not dreaming who it was i went and to my surprise and consternation found it was the very respectable but stiff-mannered gentleman who if he behaves himself and a certain dear one does not go back on her promise will in the near future have the honour of being my daddy-in-law his bearing toward me was so distant caused i reckon by a well-founded suspicion that i contemplated robbing him of the one precious ewe lamb of his flock that i could not at once muster courage to inform him of the honour i designed him and alas before i did he let his emotions affect his breathing to such an extent that he was compelled to bid me a hasty good-night and go to bed for relief i would have been glad to sound his views with respect to his daughter and myself but as the boat started at an early hour next morning was compelled to defer the undertaking however i called at his hotel on my way to the landing and told the clerk to explain the whys and wherefores and express my regrets and condolences it would be funny though if the old gentleman held the latter to refer to the future 
From Selma I came to Jackson, and thence to Hazelhurst, the present terminus of the railroad. There I fell in with Isaac Stein of Company B, our regiment. He minus an arm, and I a foot. We formed an alliance, offensive and defensive. He to do all the walking, I all the hugging that might be necessary to speed our journey. Hiring a darkey to drive us to Dr. January's, in a wagon drawn by a couple of scrawny little mules, we advanced six miles and broke an axle. A noble-hearted citizen, Dr. Applewhite, came to our rescue, kept us all day Sunday, and on Monday sent us on to a Mr. Duncan's in his carriage. Mr. Duncan, though, could only obey the first half of Sage Homer's rule, welcome the coming, speed the parting guest, and so we were compelled to impress the good old doctor's team, carriage and driver, for transportation twelve miles farther. Learning that every skiff in ten miles of us and its darky owner had been pressed into the service of the cavalry, we went down to the place where they were. Having but one arm and all his earnings as a sutler invested in the silver watches and spoons with which his valise was crowded, Stein hesitated to make the fifth man in a boat. I did not, though. In the skiff were the oarsmen, three cavalrymen, each holding the reins of a swimming horse, and myself. Thus overloaded, our progress across was painfully slow. Twice a horse ceased swimming and to inspire him to renewed exertion had to be ducked at the risk of capsizing the frail craft and tumbling its cargo into the water when we were a little more than two-thirds of the way across a gunboat rounded a bend two miles above us and came puffing down toward us and inspired by the emergency the darky oarsman bent to his oars with such a will and energy as threatened to break them but nevertheless carried us to the shore in a hurry the margin of lowland, fifty feet or more wide between water's edge and the levee, was a bog strewn with drift, large and small, but driven to haste by fear of capture, I plunged into and through the mud and mire and over huge logs and piles of drift with a speed and recklessness which took me behind the levee just as the gunboat got abreast of me. Half a mile from my landing place I came to a rail causeway which spanned a narrow, shallow part of Bruin Lake and gave access to the island. At the farther end of the causeway the beams of the setting sun, shining upon his grey wall and bringing his weazened ebony face into bold relief, sat an ancient darky astride of as ancient a mule whose ears, also grey and touched by the sunlight, seemed to be tipping me a cordial welcome. Approaching this strangely harmonious pair, I asked the distance to the house. "'Jest up here a little piece, master,' replied the human being, as, removing his battered old hat, he descended with an effort from the back of his patient confrere. "'Just get up on dis year old mule o' mine, sir.' and hit'll fetch your dar sir immediately black though his skin was his heart was that of a gentleman and though as well able to walk as he i accepted his offer rather than pain him by refusal on the broad piazza of the dwelling 
busily engaged cutting out garments for the darkies, stood a middle-aged lady, and near her sat a personage in blue uniform who no sooner saw me than he hurried out to the gate, and, extending his hand, said, My name is Johnson, sir, Captain Johnson of the United States Navy. Convinced by his uniform and insignia of rank that he was what he claimed to be, and determined not to disgrace my colours by denying them, even if I had fallen among Unionists, I grasped his hand with every appearance of pleasure, and replied, And mine, sir, is Polly, Private Polly, late of the Confederate States Army under General Robert E. Lee, but now retired on account of wounds and on my way to Texas. Can I find quarters for the night with you? i am but a guest in this hospitable mansion he answered you will have to consult the lady of the house who is now on the piazza but i shall be glad if it becomes necessary to add my entreaties to yours for as you are just from the seat of war you can probably give us later news than any we have later in the evening mine host kindly gratified my curiosity concerning captain johnson it appears that a week or so ago general dick taylor wanted a gunboat worse than general hood did down at suffolk when bill calhoun sat down on him doubting his ability to secure one by capture he decided to follow bill's plan as proposed to hood and buy one and immediately entered into negotiations with captain johnson then in command of one of the best on the mississippi river but while willing to betray the trust reposed in him by the federal government the captain must have managed badly at any rate after the trade was made and all details arranged as to time and place of delivery he let his purpose be suspected by his subordinate officers learning that his intended treachery had been reported to avoid arrest he took advantage of a dark night to climb over the side of the vessel drop into a boat and deliver himself to general taylor but although crazy for a gunboat that officer had no use for a naval commander of the captain's kind and hence the traitor is now hiding from the federals and under suspicion by the confederates my favorite steed at home being a spirited calico i took the paint pony hoping he would be as spirited paying for him and a buzzard nest old saddle fourteen hundred dollars in confederate promises to pay after the war mounting him and taking stein's valise it did not weigh less than seventy pounds i am sure up on the saddle before me i started stein walking after five miles whipping and kicking to make the lazy beast keep pace with stein i came to the conclusion that he had far the best end of the bargain his walking being easier than my riding and no huggings so far having come to me or being in sight this side of texas but i held to the horse and his valise until night found us at a plantation on the tensar there he bought a horse and managed somehow to ride him carry his valise and keep ahead of me and my lazy rosinante at alexandria we had the luck to overtake captain haggerty and an irish beef drover named murphy who was well acquainted with the route ahead of us together we set out for mr taylor's thirty miles distant 
murphy beguiling the way by recounting mr taylor's adventures and exploits as a confederate scout you may judge of my surprise when arriving at his house i discovered him to be a quadroon his wife the same and the couple free and owners of twenty-odd coal-black niggers taylor it is said never buying any other kind than the coal-blacks at our meals taylor his wife and daughters waited on us when we had eaten they sat down to the same table and were waited on with every show of deference by their slaves it was an odd condition of affairs i thought murphy who knows general dick taylor well told me that he and our host were half-brothers and except in colour looked the counterpart of each other at lewis's ferry on the angelina river my steed came to the end of his row and i gave him and the saddle to a man who furnished me a tip-top animal to ride to livingston in polk county and on trinity river there i took stage to liberty ten miles out the team ran away and for a mile i wondered if i had gone through a dozen battles just to come back to texas and be killed by a pair of mules at liberty i boarded a steamboat which carried me to galveston there i ran afoul of ireland's company of hobbies regiment theirs is indeed a sad fate although empty store and dwelling-houses are abundant no private is given a room to himself but is compelled to share that assigned him with the members of his mess and they have to live on ham and eggs fish oysters turtle soup poultry pure coffee and a whole lot of other things so new in my experience that i came near foundering myself just tasting them to see if they were good i got here at noon day before yesterday and found john wheeler of company b who is minus an arm you know delayed by high water that evening as he and i sat in front of the hotel colonel gaines of brazoria county sat down between us and inquired our names and where we were from etc when we had told him and conversed a while he opened a pocket-book crammed with five-dollar gold pieces and holding it out to us told us to help ourselves to all we needed you have been fighting for me boys he said give me a right to feel that i have been working for you your age excuses you for not being in the army sir said wheeler his voice trembling and your offer is proof that you have been doing all you could to aid us if i needed money i would take it as willingly from you as from a father not needing it i must decline taking any i think as my comrade does colonel said i we take the will for the deed sir and so the matter ended but the old fellow actually went away hurt by our refusal to either take as a gift or borrow from him a while later looking over the hotel register i discovered that miss dora p of richmond texas was stopping here she was the last woman to tell me good-bye in eighteen sixty one and resolving she should be the first to welcome me back to the state i sent up my card and five minutes later had her little hand in mine if but that is a contingency so improbable that it is not worth mentioning and i will content myself with the remark that she is pretty and charming enough to heal the broken heart of any gentleman she takes the right kind of liking for next morning a note was handed me by the clerk from a miss emma m that was a mrs scott that is 
a wife of three months' experience. The first time I ever saw her, she was up a peach tree under which I was about to pass. I do not know what caused me to look up, but I remember distinctly that she had not then arrived at the dignity of long skirts, and that I got from under the tree and out of sight in one time and movement. In the note she asked me to call on her and her widowed sister, Feeney whom I had once tilted into my arms by suddenly running the wheels on her side of the buggy up on an elevation. Of course I went, and being so well known to both, got a kiss from the wife, but none from the widow. I tell you these incidents in which ladies figure, just for revenge, to harrow your feelings. I have not forgotten how you and Captain Jim Hunter appropriated two girls each up in the valley, and would not introduce me to either. Give the old boys a heart full of love from me. Tell Jim Cosgrove that if his fondness for cats continues to hurt him, he had better come here to Houston as soon as he can. We have what is called rabbit pie for dinner every day at this hotel, but as there is an abundance of cats running round, I think it is cat pie. Yours as ever, J. B. Polly. End of chapter 27